Welcome, everybody, to the Fit to Teach podcast here at the Florida Institute of Technology. I'm Jared Campbell, your host, and I'm sitting here with a glorious Chelsea Stripling, who is a, an amazing instructor, has a lot of really great pedagogical knowledge and really knows how to motivate her students. So how are you doing today, Chelsea? Thank you for that. That's so generous and sweet. I'm doing well. I've actually experienced you in the classroom before, and I was very impressed. I would like you to tell me about your teaching experience. Okay. So I had a somewhat unique path to teaching. So I am a librarian. I have a master's in library and information science. And I knew I was always interested in education, uh, really interested in English, you know, kind of liked the idea of teaching, Certainly didn't really like the idea of being a K-12 to teacher, so I didn't really know where that left me. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. Yeah, exactly. I, I know why you feel that way. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I love teaching, so that was, that was an experience. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Yes, yes. No, no, of course. So, um, yeah, so I started out in public libraries, and uh, I got a lot of experience with um, what we call in libraries reference service. So that's kind of the one-on-one helping of a patron. Um, you know, they might have a question or an issue, and, you know, you can talk them through that, find them resources to help them. So... A natural extension of reference service is instruction. (laughs) So I found as I was going through my master's program that I was more and more interested in this idea of being in front of a classroom and using pedagogical principles to teach information. Uh, And again, because I I really have a passion for making sure people have learned something after they have an interaction with me, you know, especially as a librarian. So, um, so yeah, so I, I had wonderful teachers in my master's program. Um, I actually hooked up with a couple of um, bigger figures in the library world. And, uh, you know, they really kind of mentored me, encouraged my uh, kind of interest in instruction and said, you know, you can really do this. You know, you'll be great at it. Uh, And at the time, um, instruction was kind of an up and coming movement in libraries. Um, Not as many librarians taught classes or did instruction. So it was something kind of new. So I did a uh, really interesting um, and kind of open internship for instruction. So uh, I actually had the opportunity to teach classes in the library. Uh, I had the opportunity to develop lesson plans and talk about assessments. So it was really great. So I, you know, that's where the bulk of my experience comes from, you know, was was through my master's program. So, you know, kind of a unique, unique path perhaps than other academics, but. When I went to school, I was, I was going to school to become a, like a science teacher. So that was like, you know, that was the path, you yeah. know, it sounds like yours, the path was revealed to you once you got going with uh, the library sciences stuff. That's that's fascinating. I remember watching you teach and you were using a lot of active uh, learning principles. Yes. And I thought that was a really welcome, you know, because Thanks, so often, yeah. so often students just sit, especially in a college, you know, they sit there and they watch the professor exactly. and the professor talks and talks and maybe shows a PowerPoint and then you just kind of sit there and drool on the desk for a minute. And, yeah. But it was really nice to see that. And I, I've noticed that from uh, from multiple teachers here at, at uh, Florida Institute of Technology that they seem to be a little bit more on their game in, as far as teaching goes, at least uh, some of the people that I've seen. But you yeah, in particular, yeah. I thought had a very, you had a spark to you that oh, I thought you. was nice. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do try. And that's one of the things that, um, again, because I kind of got interested in instruction um, and thought, you know, what are some of the ways that I can make this more interesting? Uh, and as a librarian, um, my expertise area, of course, is information literacy, which is an interesting kind of blanket term for, you know, research skills, um, you know, the idea of finding and using quality information. So 
that's not always the most exciting topic to teach. <laughs> it can be a little boring sometimes. So I have, you know, again, really tried to find strategies and techniques that will help me make it a little bit more interesting for the students and a little bit more relevant for them as well. Because um, really what I teach them, of course, they can use here at Florida Tech and, you know, continuing while they're a college student. But that will apply to their professional and personal lives outside of uh you know, outside of college. That's true. It's, I, I, I feel that that's sort of a crusade in a way, uh, in some ways, because you see so many things on social media where people are putting information out there that just isn't true, you know, yeah, yeah. and, and they're problem. putting it out and there's people don't know how to discern that. So I think what you're doing is like, I think a national security kind of uh, <laughs> issue. Uh, I really do. I, Thank honestly, you. Yeah. You yeah. Know, well, so. yeah, a lot of librarians agree with you. There's, yeah. there's definitely a big push for that. And, um, and of course, I, I feel that way. I think information literacy is, you know, it's certainly not, again, something that you just learn in the confines of college. So it's, it's an important concept. Yeah, information uh, is everywhere, right? Yeah, Especially exactly. these days. <laughs> it's an overload of information, I know. in fact. <laughs> there's, there's so much that they say that knowledge is irrelevant now, actually. I've, I've, I've read this in several places where knowledge is irrelevant because you can just access it at your fingertips. You know, Interesting. we're kind of walking mm -hmm. around these little, we're like these cybernetic creatures now, you know, because we all have these smartphones in our pockets and we walk around and we don't have to remember what time it is at a particular location. We can look it up in our phone or maybe our if we visit that place, it'll automatically change. <laughs> right, or, right. you know, like if I want to learn how to make beef Wellington, like, you know, at 2 a.m. in the morning, I don't have to worry about how I can. I don't have to wait to go see the chef. I can. Exactly. I can pop open YouTube and, <laughs> and just go to cra go crazy. Yeah. So being able to navigate through all that information because it's like knee deep in nonsense. A lot of it. It is know? a lot of it, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges that our students face when they get here. Is you know, kind of maybe breaking bad habits that they might have developed. And you mentioned too, like kind of how Google is a natural extension of our knowledge. And I think that, uh, especially folks of the younger generation. I think they take that for granted, you know. I mean, it's always just easy enough to find the answer to a question. So I think that in a way they may value the process of research a little less. So, you know, it's kind of up to me, again, to tell them why this is important and, and also why, uh, you know, it matters to pay attention to the information that you're using and the stuff that, you know, you're taking in and forming knowledge from. I do notice that it seems like millennials tend to be a little bit more like, I don't believe you, you know. You yeah. know, like they don't necessarily, they, they want to have some verification. So I bet you're like, I bet your students are really loving your class because that skepticism, I think, when it comes comes to evaluating information seems to be part of how they are going through things. They're, yeah. I've noticed uh, talking to millennials, they don't, they're like, nah, I don't believe you. Yeah. And they'll look it up on <laughs> yeah. Snopes and they'll look it up here and they'll look it up in all these different places. Yeah. So you're like giving them Kung Fu powers or something. You <laughs> definitely. Know? I hope so. Which is you know, good. I hope they leave my classroom definitely, you know, more informed and at least if anything empowered to use resources to find higher quality information because again that's you know one of the biggest things that I think is uh, a, you know a big challenge that they're, they're they're facing so that's definitely a noble cause I, I <laughs> bravo to you Chelsea <laughs> Thank Stripling. You. yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so tell me something that you do that's unique in your class okay yeah uh, so well I, I can tell you I can talk about two things actually um, so you mentioned 
uh, earlier that I use active learning techniques. So I'll talk about that for a second. Um, since I do, again, try to find ways to make my material and content that I'm covering a little bit more entertaining and creative. Uh, so I do try to engage them. And I really believe in this idea of uh, application. So, you know, if you're going to talk about a concept, you should apply it in the classroom or apply it as soon as possible. Because otherwise, you know, when you're left to kind of sit on some information, it might not really be, you know, as poignant. So if the students can use the concepts that we're talking about in the classroom and apply them to eventually some sort of research project, perhaps, that they're doing on campus, I think that's really important. So I try to engage them. Um, I try to also keep an open sort of discussion format for my class. Um, I always tell them, you know, you don't have to wait to the end <laughs> to ask questions. You know, always interrupt or whatever if you have ideas. I use uh, Poll Everywhere quite a bit in my class. Um, so, you know, I might start the class off just with a couple of questions and, you know, have them pull in their responses, uh, which they really seem to enjoy. And that kind of gets the discussion going a little bit. So Poll Everywhere, that's the web-based student response system where you can ask a question and then they can respond with like their phone. Is that, am I thinking of the right thing? That is the right thing. Yes. It's awesome. And it is it's kind of like the more contemporary version of the classroom clicker idea. Okay. Um, you know, so students can uh, use a mobile device, they can use a laptop, uh, anything with a web connection to reply to the poll. Such so. a powerful tool. The, the yeah. student response systems are transformative, I think. And I agree. And like I said, it really seems to kickstart the discussion. You yeah. know, like if I come into class cold and just ask them a bunch of questions, I don't really get any responses. <laughs> so. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You tell them to push a button, they're all over it. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I try to do things like that as well as in-class activities uh, when I can, um, you know, with library resources, of course, there's a lot of options. So, you know, unlimited topics, unlimited, you know, resources and all kinds of information. So it gives me a lot of freedom to design things that might be fun and entertaining, which is great. That must be exciting for your yes. students, too. I think so. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> But as far as one thing I do um, uniquely with my class, um, and I didn't mention this, but I teach a class here on campus. Uh, it's a four-credit class, um, COM 2012, Research Sources and Systems. Um, so it's a one-credit class, so we meet once a week. And um, again, I kind of walk them through the ideas that they need to understand to be information literate. So, you know, we talk about uh, what sort of formats information comes in, the different ways that they might interact with it, the ways that they might use search tools to find it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but one of the things that I stress um, is evaluation of information. So the students need to learn how to properly evaluate a source for credibility, reliability, just to make sure that that source is not only appropriate for their topic, but is going to, you know, fulfill their kind of information need. <laughs> what question are they trying to answer, you know, and, and can that source help them? So uh, I've developed a in-class activity for that week. So we talk about it and I have actually... Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can evaluate information. And if you do a Google search on it, there's tons of different little acronyms and things that'll help you along. Um, so in my class, we tend to make it simple and we stick with who, why, when. So the students have to think about the who, the why, and the when behind each information source that they have. Um, so this group activity I've developed, they use the who, why, when method as a small group uh, to evaluate an information um, or an internet source that I provide them. <laughs> so the sources that they can choose from are a mix of reliable and unreliable websites. Ooh. So I throw in a couple in there to you know try to fool them. It works about half the time. You're, <laughs> they're usually pretty good at evaluating and identifying when something is a little 
suspicious. Ah, those so. millennials. Exactly, right? <laughs> they are. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I think um, that exercise always goes over really well, and it's interesting, um, you know, for the students to kind of get some hands-on because, again, most of the interaction that they have with information is in the digital form. So they're either, you know, using databases or using the web search and finding websites and things like that. So they need to be comfortable with finding a website and determining whether or not that website is. Such a valuable lesson. <laughs> yes. It really is. It it's is. like your crazy uncle who's posted all that, you know, political g- garbage oh on there. It's like, come on, it doesn't pass the smell test. You I know, know it. I know. <laughs> we actually talk about that in class on yeah. purpose because of that. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because there's nothing worse than somebody who's making bad arguments with because of the it bad is. information. It is, but yeah. it's also if you are going to engage in a debate with somebody, mm-hmm. it's always nice to have those types of folks as your opponents because you can bring them down. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> They're very one, you know, centered around one argument. But like you yeah. said, not an emotional way, like a, in a, yeah. you know, yeah. in a in a very, you know, calm way. Yes. Although yeah, some people do receive, way. they do receive being wrong sometimes in, in an emotional way. That is true. Um, yes. But I think that's but... their problem a lot of times. You know, so. as long as you're sweet about it, because I, I believe kindness yeah. is everything, you know. <laughs> I, agree. I I really do. It's, it's like my religion, uh, if I have one. <laughs> and I think that uh, telling somebody the, to break it down to them in a, to the brass tacks, like here's why it's wrong, yeah. I think is really a big sign of respect because that means you're willing to be in an uncomfortable space for somebody who's, uh, you know, who should really be. Uh, more thoughtful or something like this. Oh, yeah, it kind of totally. encourages good behavior, I think. Yeah, I, I, I really agree. Um, you know, it's easy to have an emotional response to, you know, especially some of these current event topics and the things that are coming around that are kind of heavy and bigger issues. And, um, you know, again, I try to make sure my students are of the mindset that, you know, reserve emotional judgment until you can find the facts. Yeah. You know, back the, yourself up with real information. That's right. And then <laughs> laugh while you give it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Use that emotion instead of like, rah, rah, rah. Yes, people people yes. are wonky about that stuff. Uh, well, that that sounds really cool. Would you be willing to share like something on our webpage with that? Definitely. Uh, yeah. 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 So I have, I am, and, it, and so it's, you know, it's a small group exercise. So there's a work, a kind of group worksheet as well as a list of websites. So I can share that, you know, for all the instructors out there listening, whether you're at FIT or not, don't forget about how important information literacy is for your students. And also don't forget how easy it is to integrate these information literacy concepts into another kind of curriculum. Sometimes I hear, you know, from faculty instructors and things like that, that they say, oh, well, you know, you're teaching information literacy concepts. That's great for the library, you know, but I'm a engineer, right? So what do I need that for? (laughs) And like I mentioned, these skills are transferable and they are something that people will use throughout their life. So it's not just something related to college. And it's something that everybody, I think, needs to have a grasp on. So whether you're an engineer or, you know, a communications major, uh, it's still really important. And there are, again, easy ways that you can talk about this idea of, you know, credible information and, you know, using information effectively. Uh, And of course, the big thing, citations and avoiding plagiarism, you know, I mean, it's important to focus on all of that stuff. So here's a question for you. So there's like programmers out there, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's only one way to program something to do something. Right, right. How would you how would you approach that in terms of plagiarism if there's only like one way to do it? 
That is actually an interesting question because we had a student that had a similar question, and I want to say it might have been last spring, if my memory serves. Um, And unfortunately, I never learned what he ultimately decided to do, but he was using a piece of code that um, one of his classmates had edited. And apparently (laughs) there is, like you said, a certain... Uh, element of the code that has to say the same you know I mean it has to perform a certain function so it's there Um, but I guess the edits that were made by his classmate you know changed some things and then he made it unique so when this student that I was speaking with uh, went to use that bit of code and then submit it for his own class he left that bit in there that was edited by his classmate so there was an issue there with like a potential plagiarism between these two students and Again, I I just remember feeling for the student because he was even like, I didn't know that that was even possible, you know? So so I guess in that case, would they just add add a comment in their code that says, hey, I got, I lifted this from Steve or whatever, you know? I wonder about that. I know. I I actually am not sure what the best practice would be on that, but I I would think it would be something that way. Yeah, it seems like that would, I think that would be the most appropriate way of doing it. I know most, uh, you know, I mean, if, for not just academics, but for other people too. But if you want to share, you know, information, you can put a Creative Commons license on it. Ah. And so I don't know. Yeah. So there's there are there are things as such as open software, you know, and there are people that publish code and things like that under Creative Commons. So I would assume based on that that yeah, a little bit of attribution, you know, yeah, saying hey, some I attribution, this. right? <laughs> it's the same way. I guess it's just strange, like you know, c- citing something from within a code is different than like on a research paper or oh, something definitely. like this, you know. So yeah, I know, and it is. It's kind of it's kind of a unique challenge. Yeah, and uh, you know, that's also. Pl- plug myself and my uh, colleagues in my profession, that's where librarians can help you uh, because (laughs) we do get a lot of these like really kind of unique questions. And, uh, you know, we, not just librarians here at Florida Tech, but librarians all around the country, we share information a lot. (laughs) So we tend to, um, you know, participate in discussion groups and we talk about these kinds of difficult questions that we get. Chelsea Stripling, it's been very lovely speaking to you today. You are a wonderful teacher, and I'm really happy to work with you. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the podcast today. I've had fun. 